few weeks ago, I, uh, it was about two months ago, I preached this message at my home church. A few weeks ago, I was preparing on a Sunday morning to go out to minister to our congregation. And the Lord began to deal with me about this message for this church. At that time, I didn't know when I would preach here again, but I knew that I would. This church is always very kind and opens the pulpit to me. Uh, I appreciate that to Bishop St. Clair and Pastor St. Clair. Um, so I just made a mental note of God dealing with me that morning, and I stand here today with peace in my spirit because I know exactly what I'm supposed to say to you tonight. I don't know if it's for everybody, or I don't know if God sent me for one person on this Wednesday evening. I know that it's Thanksgiving week, and I have a lot to be thankful for, but my message is not based on the holiday of Thanksgiving or the celebration of Thanksgiving. I want to preach to you this simple thought. It's all 30 pieces. It's all 30 pieces. There is a term that became popular a few decades ago. It's been around a long time, but it really hit the scene, and uh, we started uh, making people stand accountable to it. The term is fiduciary responsibility or fiduciary duty. It's the uh, requirement that an individual put another's interests first. Um, there's a lot of professions that require this. There's a lot of need for this. You have uh, boards of businesses that the requirement is for them to put their shareholders first. They can't put themselves first. They must put the shareholders. A lot of attorneys work under this responsibility. This is a requirement on their part. Matter of fact, this is something that is required so much that if you can prove that someone acted in the opposite manner, you can take legal action against them. A lot of financial planners and advisors are held to this standard. Um, you know, they work off commission a lot of times. You can go in and set up a retirement account and uh, they can swing you towards an annuity or something that charges 2, 3, 4%. And uh, you think, well, over... Uh, Small picture right now looking at that, that's not a big percentage, but when you add 30 or 40 years of saving, that's quite a chunk of change they're putting in their pocket. And they're required to put your interest first. So they need to tell you that you could, uh, you could go to this account and we could charge you 1.9% uh, interest. Or there are places such as Vanguard and Fidelity and Charles Schwab that you can get the same account at next to nothing. Uh, it's almost free. It just makes perfect sense to go that way. The reason why a lot of times they don't like to steer you that way is because... Uh, their commission goes away. They don't make a lot of money. You make more money, which is more beneficial to you. There is a fiduciary responsibility for them to look you in the eyes and say, Hey, if you go with this account, I'm going to make X amount of dollars, and that's how much less you're going to have in your retirement account. You know, when you're talking a 30-year period, uh, an extra $50,000 in your retirement account, that's nothing to uh, shake a stick at. That's something that's pretty nice to pad your account a little more. There are other all kinds of fields that have this requirement that they, uh, when they sign the dotted line and commit their life to this profession, they are saying that I'm going to put my clients interest first. What benefits them the most, that is what I am willing to stand and say. As watchmen, we take that very same responsibility. For Isaiah chapter 62 and verse 6 says, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace 
day nor night. What he was saying is I have men and women in place that cannot be silenced. Day nor night, they're going to say exactly what needs to be said. They're going to say exactly what they see. They're going to say what benefits my people. Now, you need to understand that in the few short years that I've been in ministry, I've stood and preached some things at times that I did not want to preach. But I preached them because they were in the Word of God. I've sat and looked people in the office and they've sat across the desk and told me things. And there's answers that I've wanted to give them. But I could not give them. Because my fiduciary responsibility is to give them the Word of God. And what thus saith the Word of God. So there are things at times that make me very uncomfortable. Believe it or not, I like to have friends. I like people to like me. There are times that I stand in the pulpit and I say things and I'm cringing and tightening every muscle in my body as I say it. But I know there's going to come a day when I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give account for every idle word that has proceeded my out of my mouth. And if you think that I'm willing to trade eternity for a friendship with you, then you are sadly mistaken. And better yet, I want a man of God that fills the pulpit that's not willing to be my friend, but willing to tell me what it takes to make heaven my home what it takes to get my family to walk on streets of gold that's what I want that's what I want so there are times that we say hard things I remember in instance I look back there and see sister Lang I remember I was in, I was in this uh, a young person in this church when she attended here uh, back she was going to Ball State and I remember a time that I was with uh, Brother Jeremy Lang and he made a statement. He, uh, I don't even know if he would remember saying it, but he said, you know, I, I went to India and I saw the Langs over in India. And uh, He didn't make this statement when I was there, I don't believe. I think he made it later. He, he said, you know, one of the hardest things to preach in India that I felt that I had to preach, he said, was tithing. I was looking at people that made 50 cents and a dollar every week and they needed every single penny. He said, but I didn't have the option to withhold that preaching from them. God sent me there to preach truth to them. You want to know how hard that must be to preach tithing to people that make 50 cents a week? Well, that's just a nickel, but I guarantee they use every cent they make. But he stood and he filled the pulpit. Those are the moments that those things are hard to preach. You, you see, if, 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 if this was about just filling the church up, then I wouldn't be preaching any of this right now. I'd have a funny story and a funny uh, line and a, a good feeling th- message to give you and be on my way if it was just putting people in seats but this goes above and beyond that I'm not wanting just to put people in seats because this life is so short I'm wanting you to get to the next life and in order for you to get to the next life there are some things that you've got to hear there's some things that you've got to hear so we're going to dive into that tonight 
I'm not going to examine anybody's life here tonight. That's not my job or responsibility. I know what I'm supposed to do tonight. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to examine a few lives of some individuals in the Word of God. I'm going to examine a few lives of some individuals that if they had somebody there speaking to them, putting their interests first, making sure they got the best bang for their buck, That's what we're going to look at right now. I see a transaction that took place in 2 Kings chapter 5 that just doesn't make sense. It just is mind-boggling. It just... Oh my goodness. It's it's 2 Kings chapter 5 is the story of Naaman the leper. He was a mighty man of valor, the captain of the host of the Syrian army. I think it said another good thing about him. He had influence. He had a good reputation. But he was a leper. Word got back that there was a man that could heal him. Long story short, he presents to the man. The man says, dip seven times. He says, I don't want to do that. He was fixing to miss the greatest miracle of his life. Finally, a young woman spoke up and said, what are you talking about? Just go dip. I mean, it's not a big deal. We make this thing a lot harder than it has to be sometimes. Just just get in the water. You can fight an army of a thousand people, but you can't get in the water. Just get in the water, dip seven times. Just get over with it. He gets in the water, dips seven times. His skin comes out pure, clean, baby, perfect skin. He presents himself to the man of God and says, hey, listen. I'm very thankful, as, he, as we all would. Who wouldn't be very thankful? A leper that now no longer has that title over his life. We would all be ecstatic. And he says, hey, I've brought gifts. I've brought stuff that I need to give to you. And the prophet says, I don't want any of it. The prophet says, I don't want none of it. I don't, 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 don't give me any of it. Damon says, okay, well then how about I take some dirt from here. I'm going to load it up on this mule and we're going to take it back to Two, two mules worth of earth. I'm going to throw them, the, the dirt on there and I'm going to take that dirt back to my home and I'm going to worship and I'm going to remember what God had done for me and I'm going to remember the blessings. And uh, Elisha said, man, have at it. Take all the dirt that you want to take. Take it anywhere you want to take it. Uh, so the man, the, the, the leper, the mighty man of the captain, the host of the Syrian army, he begins his journey back. Second Kings chapter 5 and verse 20 tells us, but Gehazi... The servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master hath spared Naaman this Syrian, in not receiving at his hands that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. He said, I'll just take a little bit. Of what he's got. I'll just take somewhat. Because somewhat can always be justified. Because the judgment of somewhat surely can't be like the judgment of getting the whole cart full. He said I'll just take somewhat of him. He goes and he presents himself to Naaman. And he begins to lay, hey we change of mind here. We'll take some silver and we'll take some garments and Naaman says don't just take one take two 
Take two talents of silver. Take two changes of garments. Take whatever you want to take. Here's my question though. Gehazi, if you're going to allow rebellion into your life, if you're going to allow separation between you and the kingdom, if you're going to allow your mantle and ministry to fall between the cracks of your hands, why in the world would you just get somewhat of it? You see, Gehazi, perhaps he didn't know it was the small foxes that spoil the vine. Perhaps he didn't know it was the fly that throws the anointment of the apothecary out the window. Perhaps he didn't know it was just a little leaven that leaveneth the whole lump. Perhaps he didn't know the judgment that would come from just getting somewhat. Somewhat is what he said. He presents himself back to Elisha and Elisha says, what have you been up to? Not a whole lot. Elisha says, boy, didn't you think my heart doesn't go with you? I know exactly where you are right now. I know what you're going through. You think a man of God doesn't have a heart for this church? If you think your man of God doesn't have a heart for this church, you shouldn't be at this church. Your man of God has a heart for this church. It goes with you. You think your man of God just gets up and preaches random things, opens up the book, and points to a scripture? Nah, he hears directly from heaven. He knows exactly what's supposed to feed your soul. Don't you walk in here arrogantly thinking it's just another Wednesday night. Somebody's prayed. Somebody's fasted. Somebody's gathered expecting to hear the word of God and what thus saith the Lord. The prophet looks at him and says, my heart's gone with you. My heart's with you. What judgment came unto his life at that moment? He said, Gehazi, because you've done this, leprosy shall be attached to you for the rest of your life and to all of your seed. All because he took some what? So now I'm here to tell you to tell. That was a bad investment. He should have taken more. He should have went back to Naaman. And man of, he was a man of influence. He had power. He had authority. He should have went back to Naaman and said, Hey, Naaman, Elisha said, uh, we want all this and we want you to send two more mules back from Syria. We want, we, want, we want five more mules. We want a cart full of gold. We want silver. I promise you, Naaman would have went back home and done everything he could to get that offering back to Gehazi. Why didn't Gehazi ask for more? Why did he just say, I'll take a little bit. I'll have just a little bit of it. You see, there's another man in the Word of God that made a bad transaction that did not work. If somebody would have been there to work on his behalf to put his interest first, perhaps he would not have fallen in this. It's a man by the name of Samson. Samson had a great anointing, a unique anointing. It was something that nobody else had ever had before, and I don't know of anybody having it since. Samson walked in a calling that God had ordained for his footsteps and it was not that Samson wanted love that wasn't the problem and it wasn't the problem that Samson wanted companionship it was who he fell in love with his father looked at him one day and said is there not a woman from your own country Samson can't you find a girl from your own people because somebody out there Samson they don't understand the anointing that's over your life right now 
They don't understand the calling that God has placed on you right now. Mom and dad and the people of your tribe and your country, they know the hand of God. They can see the hand of God. They see it all over you. But I promise you, Samson, Delilah don't have a clue what's going on right now. Is there not a woman from your own country? Oh my goodness, how many times has the enemy sold that lie to our young people that there's not any more apostolic Holy Ghost filled young men to marry? That there's not any more apostolic Holy Ghost filled young women to marry? Don't you believe that for one second that the kingdom of God does not have somebody in store for you? The Bible, don't you believe it for one second? There's apostolic men and women all across this nation that are saving themselves that are keeping themselves in the word of God. Look at for somebody just like some of you and when that day comes when that moment comes light shineth in darkness and darkness comprehendeth it not Delilah had no idea what to do with a ministry like Samson we become so impatient because we think we're running out of time and we throw our most precious gift, our ministry and our anointing into hands that they don't even know what to do with it right now. They don't know how to handle it right now. You need to make up in your mind right now that you're going to marry somebody that's on fire for God. Don't you settle for anything less. You would rather be single for the rest of your life than be married and wish you were single. I'm telling you right now, God's got somebody for you. Wait for them. Samson loved Delilah. Scripture tells us that. But it doesn't tell us Delilah loved Samson. Samson, you lost too much for too little. Samson, why didn't you get more out of that? If you were going to walk from God... Why didn't you get all that you could? The Spirit of the Lord still moved at times over Samson. That tells me he was on the edge in certain areas of his life. He was still working in God and in the kingdom at times and working over here out of God and out of the kingdom at other times. But Samson, the judgment that came. Man, you should have gotten more. The fees that you paid were too high. That price cost you too much. You gave over in an anointing that God had never gave to anybody else. You gave over a ministry that was handcrafted just for you. You gave it up. You gave it up. Why? For a moment of pleasure with a woman that you should not have been with. You bought the lie that there was nobody else on the planet. You bought the lie that there was nobody else for you. So you walked out that back door. Was it worth it, Samson? Was it worth it? Looking at the situation now, do you, do you think you got enough? Matthew chapter 26, verse 14. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me and I will deliver him unto you? And they coveted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. 
this transaction really doesn't make any sense at all. The popularity of our Christ, our Lord and Savior God robed in the flesh. He would go into cities and multitudes would throng him. The Bible says several times that they would bring all the sick of the city. And all of the sick of the city would be healed. The world could not hold the books if it were to be written of all of his good works. The world couldn't hold them. Just, the world's not big enough to contain the goodness of God. And there was a group of people that wanted to kill this man. A man with such influence like this, a man with such reputation, a man with such following, I'm sure his adversaries were just as big. I'm sure there were people, not just locally, but all over the globe that would love to see Jesus disappear from the planet because he was taking the attention off them. So why in the world did Judas sell for 30 pieces? That, that just... Doesn't that bother you? Judas, why not 40? Why, why not 50, Judas? Why not? Why not 100? Why didn't you just walk in there and say, I'll give him to you, but when this is said and done, I want to be a king. I want half the countryside. I want you to give me a nation. I want you to send this army to fight that army, and if you guys win, I want to be king over that land. Why didn't Judas ask for half of the world? He asked for 30 pieces of silver, depending on who you talk to, 180 to $200. He, he betrayed Jesus for an amount that you and I can't even live off of. Uh, 30 pieces of silver? You sold out for so little, Judas. And you didn't keep any of it. When it was all said and done, he brought it to their feet. Threw it at their feet, stepped out, committed suicide. The judgment from all three of these cases makes zero sense. Looking at this, I would say, Gehazi, if you were going to spend a life as a leper, you should have got more. Samson, if you were going to throw your ministry in your mantle... Down the drain, you should have got more. Judas, 30 pieces for the most popular man to ever walk in shoe leather. You should have gotten more. So let's figure out what that price is. Let's go there together. I'm working on your behalf today. I want you to understand that I'm putting your interest first. I want you... To be satisfied with the choice that you made. But in order to figure out that cost, we must figure out the judgment that's coming. Malachi 4 talks about a day that cometh, that burneth like an oven. That's not very descriptive. Let's go a little further. Revelation 20 calls it a lake of fire. That's not even very descriptive. Let's go more. Mark chapter 9, he said, Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. He said it again two verses later. Where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. He said it again two more verses later. Where their worm dieth not, 
and the fire is not quenched. Second Thessalonians says it's everlasting destruction. Matthew 13 says it's wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's wailing and gnashing of teeth. You see, some of you think this day's never coming. I want to tell you, I feel like some of you will never have the opportunity to be married. That's how I feel, how close this day is actually approaching. Where God's going to call His bride home. And every single one of us are going to stand in judgment. So let me tell you, if you're going to go to hell for a little bit of bitterness, that place doesn't sound worthy of a little bit of bitterness. Why don't you get you a truckload of bitterness? Why don't you get all the bitterness that you can get? Why don't you get all the bitterness that the world has to offer? But let me ask you now, even then, is it worth it? Even then, does it make sense? We got people in churches right now. Not in the world, people in churches. And I'm sorry, I'm taking my liberty today. I feel the Lord right now. That hate each other. You can't walk across the aisle and shake somebody's hand. If you're going to be lost and go to a place like that for hating one person, why don't you go ahead and hate everybody? But let me ask you, after you hate everybody, is it going to make a place like that worth it? You see, we justify the small things. We have small pornography addictions. We have small issues. We deal with little things. And we think we can justify the judgment of the small things. But I'm going to tell you what. These gentlemen that I just read to you, they betrayed the Lord, the Savior, for little tiny things. The small fox. It was the dead fly. It was the little leaven. It was the small things. So if you're going to go to a place like that for the small things, why don't you just get all of it that you can get? But even at that point, I stand before you and tell you, even getting all that you can get, it doesn't make sense. Because what profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul we're not talking about damnation for a momentary period we're not talking about damnation for a month or a year we could put that into perspective then we could get an algorithm or a formula And we could justify all the sins for damnation for a period of time. But we're talking about eternity right now. Eternity is not a period of time. It is all time. Eternity. How do you have an algorithm to justify walking in sin for all eternity damnation? How do you put that? How do I stand here and tell you your best interest on just, just a little bit would be okay? It would just, if you just did a little bit or maybe you need all of it you can get. I'm standing here telling you right now that I've searched the scripture and I've searched it front and back, back and front. I can't find any justification of losing your soul for all eternity. It is simply not worth it. Solomon, the wisest, the wisest man 
to ever live. He started his book, The Preacher, with vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And he ended it with vanity of vanities, all is vanity. He talked about vanity 32 different times. We're talking about a man that he knew what sexual pleasure was. We're talking about a man that he knew what popularity was. What do you have? 700 wives and 300 concubines. He had people from all over the world coming to him. They came and fell at his feet. The possessions that he possessed, we can't even begin to number and talk about. I can't tell you the value of them. It's mind-boggling. Solomon had all of this. I'm going to tell you what. Solomon had a lot more reason to betray God than you and I do. He was getting all that he could get of absolutely every vice the world had to offer. And he said vanity of vanities. It's all vanity. He began to sit down and write it out. Does it make sense to... What if I got more of this? Would it make sense to walk from God? What if I got more of this? Would it make sense to... Do you understand that when Gehazi walked from Elisha, he did not just lose his relationship with Elisha, but his relationship with the world around him was forever changed. You think that once you've tasted of this... And you're going to walk out those doors and the only thing you're going to lose is this church and the kingdom of God? You're sadly mistaken, my friend. You're going to lose every single thing this world thinks they can offer you. Gehazi could not pack up his bags and go back to his house from whence he came. He was a leper. He was marked for the rest of his life. There was absolutely no turning back. I'm telling you right now, church family, some of you are dealing with little things. Little things that are going to send you to hell for all eternity. It's going to be eternal damnation because you could not conquer the little thing. And I'm telling you, even if you did it twice as much, three times as much, if you did it 24-7, it's not worth your soul. Whatever you've got to do to get your heart right with God, whatever you've got to do to get right with God, to be saved, now is the time to do it. Now is the time. I'm coming to a close right now if music would come. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. All is vanity. What are you doing right now on the side? Why don't you increase it? Why don't you double it? I'm telling you, if you're going to lose your soul for a little bit, you might as well lose it for a lot. But... Even then, doing the calculation, I can't justify losing it for a lot. I'm telling you, there's not a price. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Holiness. It's worth living if it's going to save your soul. Holiness is one of the things that will save your soul. Not just the way you dress on the outside, but right here loving people. Can I tell you the world is so divided right now? It would be a shame if the church let that division come into us. Yes. 
We can't afford that, church family. We can't afford it. Some of you young people have vices that, man, you come to the altar, you get repentance for it, and you go back out and you fall into it again. Come back and you get repentance for it and go back out and fall into it again. I'm telling you, it's not worth your soul. Come and clean it up right now. Just get rid of it. Just get right with God right now. God's coming back. This generation is one of the greatest generations to ever live because you're going to receive the return of our Lord and Savior. I'm telling you, He's coming. You need to be right. Would you stand? Would you lift your hands right now? Would you lift your hands through the house right now? Would you lift your hands right now? These altars are open. Would you come? If you're social distancing, that's fine, but there's nothing, there's nothing worth your soul. Gehazi gave up too much for too little. Samson gave up too much for too little. Judas gave up too much for too little. Anything that costs you your soul is too little. Don't give it your soul up for too little. Would you lift your voice right now, church family? Young people, talk to the Lord right now. Let Him work through you. I have decided.